welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. All right, our guest is on the spot tonight. <laughs> He's really talked this cigar up to me about how good they are. So much so that before you knew that we were going to have a guest on the show, you purchased one with your own book. Own uh, dollars. Yeah, yeah, paid retail. Yeah. Paid, well, almost retail. But as close <laughs> to retail as Shane gets. Yeah. It might as well have been retail. But Jonathan Brandon is with us from Caldwell Cigars. Yeah, back, I think, for the first time in almost, I think it's been over a year. So um, happy to be back on. It just kind of worked out that way. Wasn't planning on doing a podcast tonight, but I walked in. Shane invited me on and um, never going to turn down an opportunity to do a podcast. There so. you go. Hey, you walk in here and hand me a cigar, I'm, I'm yours for the night. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> you you <laughs> might want to rethink that. That might have turned out right. <laughs> that, could, that, could, that could go terribly wrong. But a good enough cigar. And all this can be yours for the retail price. <laughs> a good enough cigar. But, all right, Jonathan, tell them what we're smoking. Uh, so what we're smoking tonight is a new cigar. It's a limited edition. We made a thousand boxes of them, um, but it's the Eastern Standard Sun Grown Lancero. Um, this was a cigar, as far as my knowledge goes, from what I understand, is it was a cigar Robert pretty much only had rolled for himself, and he would hand it out occasionally. Um, I've smoked two prior to this, and it was an amazing cigar. I think probably the best cigar we ever made. And this is the first time it got released to mass market in limited capacity. So actually today I just got back from uh, purchasing three boxes. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, so I, I just really love the cigar. This will be the third one I've smoked out of the new batch. Um, and I'm hope it's just as good as the last two that I smoked. Cause I smoked those to the nub. I've got to say, I'm not usually a huge Lancero fan. And, and it's usually, it comes down to construction. It is so rare to get a Lancero that you can actually draw through without having to, you know, pull a golf ball through a garden hose. This isn't. This draws really, really well. I am, I am pleasantly surprised. What is this, a uh, 7.5 by 42? 42. 42? Yes. So we actually called it Super Lancero. Um, it, to me, it falls in the traditional Lancero size. That, you know, 38 by 7 or 40 by 7 or 42 by 7.5, it's kind of within that range, I would say. Because um, you have Churchills out there that are 56 ring gauge. So I think this can classify as just a Lancero. I, I, feel, like, I feel like that extra two to four on the ring gauge actually goes a long way for what I'm... Uh, I think it actually benefits the cigar yeah. really well just from a standpoint... Uh, I don't know. Like you said, with the draw, sometimes when you have a 38 ring gauge, the draw is a little tough. And then also you have burn issues. Um, right. But even with this, the two that I've smoked, about the halfway point... It goes out a little bit, and you have to relight it if you're not giving it the attention. But um, other than that, I mean, it, you want to relight the cigar. I've got to say, the sun-grown wrapper on this is is putting a little bit of spice on my lips, yeah. and I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting a little flavor on my lips. I'm getting a little flavor on the roof of my mouth, back around right about the back of my tongue. Um, getting a good full body out of it. Yeah, I love the the one part of Lanceros that I really enjoy is the cool smoke. It's almost like smoking a church warden pipe because the heat is so far away from you and coming through such a narrow tube, you get a much cooler smoke by the time it actually gets to you. It's like you're distilling the smoke almost. Yeah, yeah. almost <laughs> like it's going through a process. And all. But I do enjoy that real cool smoke of this. And, I like, and I'm like, Trey, now, I like the extra couple of 
extra couple of rings on the gauge really makes a big difference. But we're well, I know smoke. you're a big ring gauge fan, so um, this might not be up your alley, but I, I do think you can appreciate the smoke. It'll, you'll very much so enjoy it. Well, your father has talked this up to me on numerous occasions. And I was okay, so how does that work? So you go and you buy three boxes, you get a discount as well as you get paid commission on selling them the boxes to begin with? Uh, yes. Wow. <laughs> the life of a cigar rep, man. It still doesn't equal out. I'm still in the negative. So. <laughs> the life of a cigar rep. <laughs> do you try to do it when the guy that ordered them ain't there? So he says, wow, Jonathan was right. Three boxes sold the first day they got here. No, I told him up front. He, he only wanted four boxes, and I was like, hey, look, you know, um, you've taken care of me. You've been a great customer of mine. I want to buy my boxes from you. Um, and so uh, I told him, I was like, hey, I'm going to put three extra boxes on there. I hope that's okay. But I promise you they're already sold. And he was like, okay, yeah, that's fine with me. And sure enough, he got them in, uh, I think, either yesterday or today, and I went and bought them. So uh, I wanted to have them before Christmas. I no, figured I'm going to smoke through a box real quick, Yeah. Um, then save a box, and then uh, another box I got for a friend. So. All right. Well, we're going to try. We're going to. I'm. I'm enjoying it thus far. I am too. A lot. A lot of different things happening. I'm interested to see as I get further down. Yeah. And all. So, let's just start out right out of the gate. Cigar aficionado. Seventeen cigars to get you through the winter. Could they not have just called this seventeen cigars we randomly drew out of a hat? There doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to why they chose one or the other. It says they took the 17 best cigars from the September-October issue of Aficionado. So each smoke is at least a 91 in the blind taste test. I think if you're talking about wintertime, though, if there's Toros or 60s on there, that shouldn't classify as winter smokes. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Why do you say that? Uh, I mean, because a lot of people smoke outside. They'll smoke on their patio. That's why cigar season kind of dies up north, especially. Um, Here, we kind of have some days are better than others. Um, But especially up north, I mean, it's cold the whole time. So their season kind of dies in October and then kind of starts to flare back up in in, uh, March. And so I would say during the wintertime, somebody doesn't want to sit outside for two hours and smoke a cigar. Gotcha. You're looking for that 30 to 45-minute smoke, and even then it might even be a little too long. So I would say like a Robusto or smaller would be an ideal like winter smoke. Right. Now, if you have the luxury of being in a lounge, um, then it's completely different. But, but by and large, I think New whole, England doesn't have lounges anymore. Yeah, but there's no reason for them to say, oh, these are the perfect winter smokes if you're smoking in a lounge. Because if right. you're smoking in a lounge, any cigar matter. is perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, it don't matter what kind. Yeah, but, so. Okay, do you find you, you're exposed to many more cigar smokers than we are. We're exposed to the ones around here and the ones, you know, that we come across in the wild. Do you find cigar smokers crossing ring gauge? Do you find, are most cigar smokers, okay, this is the ring gauge I like, and they just veer occasionally, or do you have, are more smokers omnigageous? I would say most smokers are going to have a particular ring gauge they stick to. Now, the length of the cigar is going to vary. Um, because I know a lot of guys that are 660 fans, they'll smoke like nubs and stuff in the wintertime because it's four inches, it's a quick smoke, and they like a bigger ring gauge. Like if you're a 60 or, or above guy, most likely in the wintertime, if you're looking for a short smoke, you're going to want like a nub or something like that where it's like short and fat um, because you don't want to give up that ring gauge. Meanwhile, if you're a Toro guy like me and you like that 56 ring gauge, it's... Yeah, you're willing that, to go it. down to a Robusto. <laughs> yeah, to- Toro guys will do anything. That's no. not exactly where I was going with that. But we don't have really time to dilly-dally tonight, so I'm going <laughs> to oh, okay. push us. We've got a lot of content, and we haven't even mentioned the fact that this is our 200th show. 
It is. We were going to let that go with no fanfare whatsoever. Well, I, I had a bit. Cancel the marching band. I had a big celebration planned. I had a big celebration planned at the end, but you went and ruined it. Put those balloons back in the truck. We're done. All right. Okay. What are you going to talk about now? Well, Southern Draw release. I mean, we could we could stay on that, but we so Southern Draw. This is a company that you're a huge fan of. Has released the Manzanita, which stand which translates to Little Apple. And I'm wondering if it's going to actually taste that way or what the what the impetus behind the name was. I think it's just got a red label. I, thought, I mean, Southern Draw is a master of pretty simple things. You know, they have the Jacob's Ladder. They have the, um, the Cedrus. Their, their names are usually simple yet meaningful. Yeah. Southern Draw cigar names are how I would like my tattoos to be. Not overly complicated, but very meaningful. <laughs> Well, that's, that's a heck so what are you getting a sleeve, Shane? I'm, I'm never. You don't put bumper stickers on a Ferrari, son. So, anyway. There's somebody out there that's put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. <laughs> but so the Manzanita is made by AJ Fernandez. At all, it's being Shocker. distributed through Southern Draw, but it's going through AJ Fernandez. Is AJ making his own cigars anymore, or is he just making cigars for other people? I, I think Not that just, I'm complaining. Yeah. Has Caldwell ordered anything from AJ recently? I'm not sure about that. Because um, I know we, we moved our tea line. Um, it's no longer part of what we sell. Um, it's still sold, but it's not. we're not distributing it anymore. So I don't really know how the relationship with AJ goes. Um, that's above my pay grade. Well, I, I think AJ just answers his phone. I'll do it. <laughs> every, every week somebody comes out. So the wrapper is a Habano Hybrid Undisclosed. The binder is a Habano Undisclosed. The filler is Pelo de Oro, Corojo 99, Lejero, and Undisclosed. I get the feeling that what happened here was some unpaid intern over at Cigar Journal was putting this article together, and at the time that they were doing all of their prep work, they didn't have any of this information. And so then once they the, came off came across the telegraph wire it's a habano hybrid it's a whatever they forgot to back out the text that said undisclosed and they just because there's no there's no point in in adding that if you have descriptors ahead of it well i think what they meant was country of origin undisclosed could be at least i hope that's it country of origin clear nicaragua well, that's the country of origin on the cigar being where it's rolled, but the tobacco may be different. Well, okay, here's my thing. I think it's a marketing scam. Cigar manufacturers everywhere, Jonathan, carry this back to the office, tell them this, that I said so. <laughs> Undisclosed doesn't work on an intelligent human being. I've never smoked a cigar and said, this is going to be better because it's undisclosed. Oh, it doesn't make the cigar any better, but it raises the mystery and makes people smoke it, and then they wonder what it is, and they try to guess at it. I don't know. I just, I don't. It's playing, it's playing to the guys, the type of cigar smoker who calls himself an aficionado. It's playing to the cigar nerd. The collect, (laughs) the guy that's on the Facebook groups and is the collector and, you know, knows everything about cigars. It's a challenge to him to see if he can guess it. So when he's at an event, runs into the owner, you know, he's the guy that's going to talk the owner's head off and just throw out a million guesses trying to figure out what it is. Right. But if you don't get it right on the first time, the owner's not going to tell you, even if you do get it right from then on out. Right. (laughs) By the, 
definition. The word is undisclosed. It's not take a guess, Jack Wagon. It's undisclosed. It's, it might as well be take a guess, though. I, I would love for them to say rapper, Habato Hybrid, and take a guess, Jack Wagon. <laughs> Uh, I'll definitely pass that on because Robert's always into things that, you know, are borderline offensive. So. Yeah, yeah. Be sure to tell Robert that that's what I want his next referee to, uh, recipe to read <laughs> at all. But I am excited about this cigar. But now this is stepping out of Southern Draw's price point. It is. At $15 a stick, that's... That's pretty steep for them. That is. That's that, that's kind of stepping out because they're usually 10, 12, you know, even yeah. some eights sprinkled in there. Yeah. And do an outstanding job. So, But I would say that's probably where, like, where we started. We were in that, like, 8 to $12 price range, and then we came out with the last czar, which came in, I think, around, like, 17, 18. Um, and then we just kind of expanded lines from there to kind of meet everything in the middle. So I would say it's not a bad move on their part. It's, it's supposed to be their... They're, uh, they're step up. Yeah, they're like premium of the premium. They're they're top of the line. Well, and I think a big part of that also is the fact that they're having to send a cut of it to AJ. Probably, but I do like. Yes, it's fifteen dollars a stick, but they come in ten pound, ten pound, <laughs> ten like count, <laughs> ten count boxes. So you're, I mean, yes, you're still paying the same price per stick, but you're able to come away with a box for one hundred and fifty bucks. So it lessens the sting, especially if you're that collector, if you're the kind of guy that wants to sit on these for a while. And some shops, you know, they'll give a discount on a box, even if it's a 10-count box. Right. As long as it's a sealed box, they're giving a discount. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're looking at 150 but then, you know, a lot of shops 15, will give 15 20%. 20% off. So, But by the time I want a box of a cigar, by the time I have declared a cigar box worthy, I want these 20. These are sold out. Well, I, yeah, that's possible, too. But I don't want just 10 of them when I have declared a cigar box worthy. I want it in a 20-count box. Okay, I have a question for y'all, a hypothetical question. Any cigar in the world that you could get a free 50-count box of, what are you going to pick? And no Padrones. Because, <laughs> hmm. I mean, otherwise we're all just going to pick Padrones and it's not going to matter. I want no Padrones. I was going to say a Padron Millennium, but, you know. See? The Africa. You do the Africa. I do the Africa. Box. See, I would too. I mean, that that's terrible. That I still love it that much. After this is my, I just bought another box tonight. This is probably my tenth box. Yeah. Of Africa's, but if I'm out of Africa, I'm out of cigars. I, re- I really don't know. It's so it's such a hard question. I don't know. I would say probably the original. Green Bandit Anastasia in the Corona size. I would love to have a 50-count cabinet of those. Anastasia's a good cigar. A uh, little harder to find around here, but I like It's Anastasia. hard to find because it's not, our, it's not a great seller. It sits on shelves a lot. Unless you have somebody that's really hand-selling it, it's going to sit on the shelf. Because uh, it comes in a plain box. It's nothing that really catches your attention too much. Um, but And also, like you said, with blends being undisclosed, that whole cigar is undisclosed what it is. Um, and I don't even have a guess on what it is, but uh, yeah, and see, it's just such a—it's got a, such a classic taste to it. It's something that I could smoke every day. I like a good description on my cigar, but I, I know enough to know a good cigar. Yeah, you know, there's some of them, and some of them I get confused about, like the Alec and Bradley Kitsugi. So, point of mention here is that it's not Alec Bradley, as far as we can tell. It's Alec and Bradley. 
why you wouldn't call it something else if there's already a brand in your vertical doing what you're planning on doing. Okay, if my last name happened to be Padron, you just wouldn't do it. No, I would, because then I'm getting a little, I'm getting what we call in the wrestling business, the rub. I'm getting the rub off of Padron. It's why when you have the new up-and-comer guy, he goes and wrestles the old veteran. He's giving him the rub, trying to get him over. So if my last name happened to be Padron, I would probably do it. If my last name was Gurkha, I wouldn't. And if my last name was Alec and Bradley, I just don't think I'm going to get the rub off of Alec Bradley that I want. Yeah, probably not. I, I, I think don't know. Alec Bradley's consistent sellers a lot of places from what I've seen. They, they really are. It's one of those things that baffles me because I'm not a huge Alec Bradley fan like we were talking about before the show. I would say they kind of fall in that Perdomo category. It's never going to blow your socks off, but they're good cigars. Yeah, I think the problem is I, I agree with you completely is that, yeah, they're right there in that Perdomo category. But they're $4 more than the nearest Perdomo, or at least they used to be. Perdomo's gone up a little bit lately. They're not quite I don't know. As I mean, you're looking at, like, the Tempest and stuff that's around that, like, $9, $10 range. Last time I saw one of those, it was at, like, 11 and a half. They've gone okay, up that much. Okay, maybe I've just been obsolete to the well, yeah, what they, other companies have done. I feel like my palate matured out of Alex Bradley. Alec Bradley. One of the first cigar boxes I bought was a box of the Max by Alec Bradley. Mm-hmm. That was my second box purchase yeah. ever. But I feel like my palate has just matured to the point their product doesn't really give it do it for me anymore. Now the- I think it's probably a lot of like for a lot of people, Rocky is that same same thing. Like everyone kind of gets into Rocky. I went through the Rocky phase, and like you're super heavy into Rocky at first, and then you start exploring other things, and you figure out that Rocky. For the most part, they do have some really good cigars. The 50th is awesome. Um, and this, is, this isn't this is a knock on, on Rocky Patel at all. Um, but it seems like your palate kind of grows out of that. Um, no. It's just the cigars are – you find out that the cigars are very average. Yeah. Um, they're good cigars, good construction, but it's never going to blow your socks off on anything. You're exactly right. You know, it's, it, it's interesting because one of the shops I used to hang out at, you know, like we talk about Gurkha, they used to talk about Rocky. It was, it, they had become a punchline of that cigar shop for that very reason. Most of the regulars in that shop had very evolved palates. And uh, so it's, I think you're exactly right. I think it's one of those where at a certain point your palate just goes, no, I need a little more complexity than this is ever going to give me. Yeah, I think so. We're, I want to finish talking about the Kintsugi. And all because I like the story behind the cigar. I think this is a good cigar name. And all. I want to talk about that, but then I want to talk a little bit more about Alec Bradley and how could they win us back. Well, and here's the thing, because so I'm looking at the box, and it's gorgeous. I love the artwork. I love the style. I just hate that they called it Alec and Bradley. If if they had called it, you know, Ruben Cigars. Which is, you know, Alec and Bradley's last name. I, I'd been, I wouldn't have had any qualms with it. I'd have been. But I'd would have we be talking about Reuben cigars? I don't know. Maybe not. It still would have been featured here. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if they it paid came cigar fishing out of the bucks. They're going to be. I mean, I would say they probably wouldn't get five minutes like they're getting on the cigar cast right now. Fair if point. It, if it wasn't Alec and Bradley. So Kintsugi is a 15th century art form where broken pottery is repaired with gold to highlight the imperfections. I love that philosophy. I do too. I love the philosophy of taking something broken and instead of throwing it away, 
making that a, a focal point mm-hmm. of, of, of everything. I really enjoyed that. I don't know what this cigar has to do with that, but I really enjoy that. So I will give them full credit for a good name of a cigar, if not their company. And uh, so the, consu- the cigars are going to be um, rolled at the Rossi's Cubanas factory in Honduras of a Honduran wrapper, two binders, Honduran and Nicaraguan, and filler from Honduran and Nicaraguan. Honduran tobacco to me is one of those hit or miss kind of things. Sometimes, and I don't know if it's me, if it's my palate, or if there's just a huge difference in quality from one to the next, but there are some Honduran cigars that I really like, none that I can think of at the moment, and then there are some Honduran cigars that have not really done that much for me. Yeah, it seems like Honduran Honduran tobacco is either good or bad, but never great. Right. I think Honduran tobacco is just going to be one of those, like, in the middle, it's going to be an average cigar most of the time. When I see Honduran, most of the time it's going to be an average cigar. Mm-hmm. It's nothing that's going to blow your socks off, but it's going to be consistent for the most part because it comes from the bigger companies. Well, and Honduras and Nicaragua are so close together, you would think that there would be a little more similarities between the two tobaccos. And, I mean, that blend on that, could it could end up being a very complex cigar. Or it could just be a very consistent cigar. Um, yeah, and I mean the you know the Gordo six sixty is nine dollars and eighty five cents. I mean that's the a great t- price point. Yeah, yeah Toro's really eight eighty, so they're coming in right. And I and I think that is the Honduran tobacco. I I have noticed uh, that there ha- there's a tendency to be a little bit lower price point with that Honduran tobacco. Yeah, and I think that's also because Honduras they they know that they've not produced their best tobacco yet, mm-hmm. and I, they may be laying to the market something. So, okay. We're not going to mention any cigar companies by name, but what cigar company has burned you? Or let me put it this way. Have you been burned by a cigar company? What's your definition of burned? That you purchased a number of cigars from them. Let's say at least three. A a company that you've gone off of. Right, you're, a you're, company that you're yeah. no, that you're that now would have to do something special just because their new one comes into the humidor. You're not rushing out to grab it. For ex- I, I will, I will name one because we've been pretty public about it on the show. Nat Sherman would be one of those for you. Well, Nat Sherman is philosophically. I'm if I'm, I would say Crown Hits because okay. for a couple of years everything they released was a dog to me. Gotcha. They didn't release anything I liked, and I kept buying their new stuff, hoping this was going to be the one. So you're saying from a from a, a product quality standpoint, not from a you know upper right. management decision standpoint. Right. I'm not I'm not saying the salesman run over my dog. Gotcha. I'm just saying the you ever run over anybody's dog? Oh. <laughs> I'm not saying the salesman run over my dog. I'm just saying from a company perspective. When I would have given them the benefit of the doubt on a new cigar, I no longer am willing to do that. I think anybody who's been smoking for long enough probably has that brand that they used to smoke, and then their palate just went off of it. Now, what can that company do to win you back? That's the question. I think it depends on the issue, because if the issue was a consistency issue, which there's a brand that I'm thinking of that... Um, that was kind of the reason I got away from them um, was just the consistency on their higher-end cigars. Um, if they got more consistent, I, I would probably go back. Um, and then also, I mean, you have brands where, you know, maybe they're just not, they haven't come out with anything innovative. All of it's just kind of stale. It's like, it's not that they're bad cigars, but they're just kind of stale. So you want to, you want something innovative, something new, something that excites you. Because um, some brands have a tendency to just kind of get complacent and boring. How's the best way to create word of mouth on a cigar? 
and all, because really the only way you're coming back, and all, the only way I'm coming back to Crown Heads, is if to next year, next week, the Los Calaveras 2021 comes out, and Trey comes in and says that's one of the most amazing cigars I've ever smoked, and you come in and say that's one of the most amazing cigars I ever smoked, and Austin comes in and says he hated it, and Austin comes in and says he hated it. Um, <laughs> That's just the way our palate works. But I would have to have, to get me to purchase, because I haven't even purchased the 2020 Lost Calaveras, to get me to purchase that cigar, I would have to have a litany of people come forth to me and say, this is it. And I think that's what makes your your consistency issue so tough for a cigar company to overcome is the fact that the only way you will find out is to start smoking them again. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to start smoking them again. So you'll, you know, like you said, yeah, so, unless- to, so to get them to come back, I don't know, it would be definitely be word of mouth. And then, like, to Shane's point, like with Lost Calaveras and, and, like, Crown Heads, is I think the best way would probably is that word of mouth, you know, getting guys to say, oh, talk about how great the cigar is. So you, you have to kind of come out with something that hits a broad a broad audience. You can't just have it as, as a narrow market. I would say your your best bet would be kind of get on the, with the fanboys, come out with something like super limited, get people talking about the brand again, and then kind of go from there. See, I'm going to take a slightly different approach in, in my thought process because we actually saw a couple of companies do it this year, which is the budget entry-level stick. Hey, Pre- see, I'm going that way. Bring me a cigar under eight. Yeah, bring me a cigar in that 6 to $7 range that shows me what you can do when you put your mind to it and I don't have to put a whole bunch of dollars down to to, to get back at it and, and if you can do that because that's going to have wide appeal because there are there are a lot of cigars that people won't buy because of the because they're too expensive I don't know of a single cigar that someone won't buy because it's too cheap um, and that that's what it would take to get me back in fact I would really actually like to see crowned heads start to dabble in that budget market also you can do rebranding you can change your packaging because a lot of times especially if it's a consistency issue you can always change your packaging and somebody will see it in the humidor and it'll catch their eye especially you have packaging that kind of pops it'll catch your eye and you'll be like oh what is that and then somebody tells you you're like oh i wasn't a fan of that but you know maybe they changed some things so i'll give it another try and sometimes changing your packaging can really get get guys to come back on board it really can and it's funny because the company that i was thinking of it's actually it's that that is why I left them. They went through a rebrand, and all of a sudden they stopped innovating. And you know their packaging looks great now, and they did increase the consistency, which was great. But the f- the flavors just they haven't come out with anything new in a while. They've increased their prices on the same old stuff, but not really done anything new. And I can't tell you the last time I had one. I know what brand you're talking about. Too. Yeah, yeah, and there's. I think that's it. I think you have to because. Also, if I go and pick up a $6 stick or an $8 stick even, I'm going to judge it less harshly than a $16 stick. So if a company's in the hole with me and they and I do pony up for a $16 stick, most cigars on our scale of 1 to 7, before I light a cigar, it's a 5. Yeah. And it will either go up or down from that level. And I'll, when I, before I ever light a cigar, every cigar starts at a five. But if it's a company I've not had good history with and I've overpaid, that cigar starts at a three. Yeah, or two, right. depending on the... See, and that was the issue with, that I had with one brand was the consistency went down and I was paying $16, $17 a stick for it. 
And it's like, I, if I buy three out of the same box, I don't want it to be three different cigars when I'm paying $17 a stick for it. There is, it's not a brand thing. It's, it's a line. But there is a particular cigar in there that I am a huge fan of. But in a box, half of them are going to be rolled so tight you can't smoke them. Mm-hmm. And the other half are going to be perfect. And you have to go through and well, this wasn't every a dr- cigar this in the wasn't box a draw. to find out which one. This wasn't a draw issue. It was an issue of just... Uh, different taste in the cigars. Yeah. Like it would be really complex one, and then the next one would be just kind of average and bland, and then you know it'd go up and down. It was a roller coaster ride. Yeah, no, I get, I get that for sure. All right, now, let's well, talk about the Caldwell just a second before we jump to the break. Okay, Trey, Trey's looking at the time. I'm enjoying the heck out of this. Cigar. I am too. At all, even though even with Jonathan sitting, if Jonathan was not sitting here, I would still say I'm enjoying the heck out of this cigar. I'm getting um getting good spice. I'm enjoying it more than I was expecting to because, kind of like we were talking about, a Lancero starts probably at about a four for me, and it has to prove itself because I've been burned before. Uh, and and this is, so that in particular is why this is so, it, impressing me so much. Yeah, it's it's just, it's better than it had to be. Yeah. And uh, which is a, a great compliment that I can pay a cigar. It's definitely better than it had to be to impress me tonight. So we're going to step away. When we come back, I want to talk about artifacts found in a cigar box and the utilitarian nature of cigar boxes. All right. We'll we'll be back with that more after this. All right, guys. So I'm here with a cigar under eight. Um, We're going to talk about a Caldwell. Uh, It's going to be the Blind Man's Bluff Robusto. We have three different variants of that. It's going to be a Connecticut, a Habano, and a Maduro. So it hits everybody's flavor profile. It's going to MSRP at $790. Depending on what state you're in, taxes can vary. Um, It can be as high as, you know, about $850. But most of the time, you're going to see it around the $8 range. Great cigar. Go out and try one. Um, I think you guys will be impressed. Cigar cast. This is one of your host Shane sitting across from the man that's a sexual jackalope, Mr. Trade. <laughs> what? <laughs> the other day I was having a conversation. This guy, uh, this I knew there a was a story that you were hoping that I would lead you to. I was driving somewhere with someone and I referred to myself as a sexual Tyrannosaurus. And they said, What would you refer to Trey as? And I, I decided a sexual jackalope. So. <laughs> It is the thing of myth and legend. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that you could get, I really appreciate you taking a positive outlook. I've had that joke in the chamber for about six weeks, hoping it wouldn't offend you. And I knew you wouldn't yell at me with Jonathan on the air. Fair enough. <laughs> so this seemed like the day to pull the trigger on the old sexual jackalope story. <laughs> I apologize if you're look, listening in the car with children. Uh, I'm glad I could be a buffer for hey, that. Kids, get in the car. It's time to listen to the Cigar Cast. Do you think that happens often? I have actually talked to a listener before um, that was listening in the car with their grandchild and had to turn it off because one of our guests was a, playing a little fast and loose with our language rules. So, uh, yeah, it does happen. Okay. Well, maybe they'll ask him what a jackalope is. <laughs> Hopefully that's the question that comes out of that. What's a jackalope, Daddy? All right. So we're joined, of course, by Jonathan Brandon, Caldwell Cigars. Yep, back 
for the first time in a while. So it's smoking been a, the new Caldwell Lancero, Super yeah. Lancero, and it's called Magic is the size. Magic. Yeah. See, I really we, like that. We we don't. I, we're absolutely <laughs> all cigars. We should have a standard size. No nicknames. Don't get cute with the sizes. Just well, we do it. We do it to make fun of companies. But I'm like, by making fun of companies, we're therefore becoming one of those companies. So you can't stare into the abyss without it stares back. It's so funny how that happens. So my daughter is that perfect age where it's really easy to embarrass her. And so about a year ago, I started using outdated lingo, but lingo that she knew wasn't cool anymore. So dad language. Yeah. And, and, but I would say, you know, um, like totes instead of totally and adorbs instead of adorable. And I would just use that kind of stuff, totally making fun of the people who talk that way. But at one point my dad said something to me and I said, inappropriate. And I realized that it had taken over and it was no longer, I was like, nope. So I have not used any of that I mean, we have, one, we have one cigar, our Long Live the King Toro. should just be called a Toro, but we call it the Petite Double Wide Short Churchill. It's a Toro. It's a 6x52. Okay, that I think is pretty funny. It is kind of funny. But everybody's in the, like, when I'm having to go through an order with a new customer, they're like, Petite Double Wide Short Churchill, what is this? And I'm like, it's a Toro. And they're like, but it's, it's it. and then they look at the size, and it's 6x52, and they're like, ah, it is a Toro. And I'm like, yeah, we did that to make fun of everybody. <laughs> Well, if you a, have to explain the joke, though. Is it really a joke? <laughs> that's one of the joys of owning your own cigar company. At least you can do stuff like it's, that. It's, it's true. At all. So, okay, let's, let's hit the big news. This, I love this from the Smithsonian Magazine. Missing Great Pyramid, Great Pyramid Artifact found in cigar box in Scotland. Of course it was in Scotland. Of course. Speaking of Scotland, I talked to a guy the other day, and he was in Scot or he went to Scotland on vacation, and the cigar tax there is nine hundred and ninety nine percent. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's like he had a he had a uh, his travel humidor full of cigars, and he was smoking a cigar, and he's like these two young guys came up to me, and they're like, oh wow, that's a cigar. He's like, I just reached in my pocket and handed them one, and he's like, you would have thought I gave him the world. Yeah. So he's like, they were blown away. They sat on a park bench, and he's like, they passed it back and forth for like two hours. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was like it was like a Nessie sighting. Yeah. <laughs> so wood fragments from the, um, the Great Pyramid of Giza. So there's been very little things ever taken out of the Great Pyramids of Giza. Right. And somehow they got these wood fragments that they believe may have been part of a measuring stick. And all, and may offer insight into the um, how the pyramids were built. And somebody stuck them in a cigar box. <laughs> Safest place in the house. I, I I think it's so funny too because I really it, it does make me wonder. You know, wood from this era and this area is fairly rare in and of itself. So why Scotland? Like, how did it? Did somebody put it? Instead of putting it in the crate with the Ark of the Covenant, did they accidentally put it in their carry-on luggage and it just made it back to their hovel? And they're like, oh, no, I'll just stick it under the mattress. No one will notice. Well, isn't the British Museum of Natural History in that one of the like top places that everything from heirs goes at some point in time? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. the Smithsonian and the British Muse- Museum mm. is the, are the two big ones. Yeah. 
And I've never been to the Smithsonian. I want to go to the Smithsonian. Everybody I, says take a couple of days. That's we've got a. We're, we've been trying to. We're, we're going to do it this year, but obviously, obviously, corona. Yeah. Um, but I've never been to DC, and so uh, one of the things I said I don't want to go until we have time to spend two days uh, because my wife really loves the the art piece of the Smithsonian. I'm more interested in the film and TV and the aerospace. So it's like okay, we'll we'll do all of the, we'll do all of them. Well, I, there's nothing that goes on to Washington that I want to see except for the Smithsonian. Yeah, I, I could care less about anything politically going on in Washington. And all, but anyway, so the utility of the cigar box. So you have some lonely archaeologists, and okay, is there a better job to smoke cigars on than archaeology? It's pretty back-breaking work. Oh, no, you're on the outside. You got one of them funny little brushes. You're brushing off dinosaur bones and such. That's what I picture. <laughs> Why would you not have a cigar hanging out of your mouth? And all the ash falls down, you just keep brushing. And it's I mean, true. It's a self-solving problem. Yeah, you're outside all the time. I mean, what is, is there a better job for a cigar smoker than archaeologist? Well, well, no, until your cigar falls out onto, like, an important document scroll that's 2,000 yeah. years old and burns a hole right through it, and you go, damn, that was an important part. That's and, and that's exactly what I was about to bring up, because you've got to think, most of these archaeologists, I don't know if you've ever met an archaeologist, but they're not like Indiana Jones at all. They treat these digs like crime scenes. And so the idea of bringing something foreign into this dig site is just something that they couldn't even contemplate. Well, it's one of the most mind... it got to be one of the most mind-numbing jobs in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think and it would be pretty interesting to be an archaeologist. They're, they're, well, but you're... Okay, the interesting part is after all the work's done. No, I think the interesting part would be, like, the travel and then, you know finding like a clue and then you know going from there and expanding your excavation and, and stealing the declaration of independence and yeah, then and, you know. chased by giant boulders <laughs> <laughs> I mean just, just the standard stuff it, I mean imagine I would love to see the data on how many archaeologists came about in the 80s like in the late 70s early 80s if there was a boom in archaeology degrees <laughs> well so I did, by the way I need to add this. I love this this line. Structural engineer Wayman Dixon and his friend James Grant, a physician and adventurer. I'm putting that on my next business card. Home designer, realtor, adventurer. Chain rings. <laughs> I, I really think adventurer is a great label because how can they prove you're not? Yeah, exactly. And uh, what was your last adventure? Well... I'm under an NDA. In in today's climate, they're going to be like, what's your Instagram handle? We need to see pictures. Yeah, exactly. Pixar didn't happen. And then you can just Photoshop yourself standing next to the pyramids and stuff. On top of it first. (laughs) Yeah, a good Photoshop guy could take care of all this. But I really think that I want Adventurer added to my business card. You're going to have to go on more adventures. Well, okay, so I'm up to home designer, realtor, adventurer, cowboy, poet. If I can get all that on one business card, I think I'm in. I'm in it's good. It's going to be a business pamphlet. It's not going to be a card anymore. Well, but people will people will take notice here's, when I hand them Here's a Shane card. Reeves' brochure. That's <laughs> right. Here's my brochure. Hey, I'm Shane Reeves. Have you heard of me? At all. But if I ever have a bill, I'm promising y'all now. You know, you see realtors get billboards. If ever my real estate career <laughs> is such that I have a billboard, it will say adventurer. It will be realtor, home designer, adventurer. All right, I'm writing well, down. Well, I know a guy that can hook you up on the billboards. So Yeah, there's a there's <laughs> guy in here that does that. I, so if I ever have the Shane Reeves billboard, it will say adventurer. All right. 
And I'm because think about it, it's brilliant. People going down the road, they see that, they see, oh, another realtor, but wait, he's an adventurer also. So then they're going to think like complex architecture and like that you're right. really into like fancy homes, and I think it would work for you. As, as long as they building call them me, inside that's of that, caves. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they call me, that's all that matters. Can you design me a bat cave one day? Oh, yeah. See, I, was there we go. Some, I was showing someone the bat pantry the other day. <laughs> and uh, we have a bat pantry in one of our houses. But so, what's the stuff? What sort of things have you used cigar boxes for? I go to yard sales. I think it goes to what haven't you used a cigar yeah, box? Yeah, I think that would be. I've I've made a cigar box guitar. I have. I currently keep all of my loose change in a cigar box. I've got a bunch of like old documents in another one. Like I've I've just got I've got stuff stuffed in cigar boxes all over my house. Yeah, the moral of the story is never throw a cigar box away. Especially if you don't check inside it first. Yeah, if you're going through Grandpa's estate, don't throw away that cigar box. I That's got bet. 50 grand in it. Right. There's something important in there. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the year, the shop I used to work at, we would go through and uh, we'd have a bonfire with all the empty boxes that had built up in the basement. And sure enough, every year we'd find a full box of cigars or a half a box of cigars. Especially right after the Padron 80th came out, we found a half a box of Padron 80th in there. Oh, wow. They say the that's owner an archaeologist. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> he and paid inventory like, tax on it and everything. Yeah, but and it especially was like the high clear castles and stuff, like because they have that second layer and the Don Carlos, the yeah. um, white glove and the eye of the shark. You know, you have that tray that lifts up out of it. So if you're like a new employee, you don't know. You think the box is empty? You close it, put bring down another one, and yep. uh, yeah, sometimes that can. You always need to check those. That's why invent con- inventory control is so important. Mm-hmm. All right, so you want to talk about the big heist? Yeah, let's do it. All right, roughly 14,000 illegal cigars found in vehicle by OPP on Highway 401. This is from the Whig Standard. So this is a story out of Canada. So the OPP stands for the Ontario Provincial Police. So they're state troopers, essentially. And it was $52,000 worth of illegal cigars uh, that were in the vehicle that they stopped. And I'm looking at the picture. I'm curious. They don't actually say what kind of car it was, but that's a pretty decent size haul. This is much better than that lady from last week who only stole $200. Yeah, we had a lady last week that broke into a cigar store and only stole $200 worth of stuff. Just write it off the taxes. But how quick could you steal $200 of, of cigars? That would be so easy. It'd be harder not to steal $200 worth of cigars. Yeah. Yeah, if someone said steal some cigars, but you automatically go to jail if it's over $200, you would have a really hard time. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you just grab four Padron 50ths and you're there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just... But, okay, so I'm looking at this picture. They've got a whole bunch of backwoods, which I don't really consider cigars, and two bags of weed... Were they planning on stretching these two bags of weed through 14,000 cigars? I, I, I think they must have been. They, they also found credit cards, a driver's license not belonging to the driver, and a hunting knife. And I feel like in Canada it was that hunting knife that really sealed the deal. Well, I don't know how you... Okay, a hunting knife is not a precision instrument for inserting marijuana into a cigar. And on, these are cheap factory-made cigars. So fourteen thousand of them at thirty worth roughly thirty two thousand uh, dollars. At the tax rate in Canada. Oh, that's right. Here it's worth about maybe five hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. So buck fifty, something like that. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's because if it you're is. Pay, if you're paying more than fifty cents for a backwood, there is something wrong. Yeah, there's absolutely. I'm pretty sure you can go to any gas station and get a two pack for ninety nine cents. Right. But I'm I didn't want to spend a ton of time on that, but I did think that was worth hitting at all because why steal backwoods? Why not steal good cigars? I. It has to be because the quality of the tobacco is not important to the final destination. Well, of it. was it because they were stolen, or was it because they were trying to come across the border with it? So the reason, um, so there were two things. Um, it was considered contraband tobacco because of how much it was, and he didn't have a distribution license. It was he was also charged uh, under the Cannabis Act with possessing cannabis for the purpose of selling, and um, and for having more than thirty grams. And unlawful purchase of cannabis, being a person under 19 in possession, because the guy was only 18 years old. Okay, so answer me this. I've never had marijuana in my life. Never planned to. Just not a thing for me. Do they use cheap cigars because good tobacco would overpower the... Or is there a flavor to marijuana? I know there's a smell. Well, I think what it... What it probably is is because who's going to go buy a premium cigar and try to roll marijuana with it? It just wouldn't work. I would. If no, I, it, if it I would was, not work. Like, you couldn't, buy a cigar, you couldn't buy a cigar and make it work because what, you would have to cut it down. You'd have to cut the wrapper, and then the whole thing would just fall apart. And then being it's long filler, you could probably do it with a short filler cigar, but with long filler, it just it wouldn't work very well. No, you do. You take an auger bit, and you go right dead straight through the center and just tunnel it out and then pack it through <laughs> See, I feel like he's done this before. Wow, that's pretty in depth. That's pretty, yeah. Yeah. Now, what did you use on that? A 7.8, (laughs) 7.16? What were you you using on that particular bit that day, Trey? And also, you got to think, most of your marijuana smokers that are probably rolling stuff like this, they aren't going to go spend $20 on a cigar to roll a a blunt. But to me, if I ever decided that I was going to go the marijuana route, I would treat it like my whiskey. It would be straight. But if I ever decided I was going to try to do the... What did we call it? The blunt, I believe, yeah. is the vernacular. I would get a good cigar. Yeah, I, I think your probably, best bet on I'd that would get an edge. No, I think your best bet would probably be buy like a leaf by Oscar and use the outside leaf. Oh, there you go. That would probably be your best bet. I guess so. Well, you know, on the cabin they rolled the marijuana cigar. And all he rolled that that cigar roller actually rolled a whole cigar out of marijuana. I don't know if I remember that or not. At all, but I don't know. I was just, I was, in, it was interesting to think about because I think if I was going to do it, I would want a good cigar. I yeah, but that's want a because cigar. we're cigar, we're cigar people first. These are marijuana people first. Exactly. I, I can understand that. All right, the Jewish Journal, connect, inform, and inspire. Trey, you brought this. You lay it out. <laughs> so it, basically. Um, it, it's a highlight on the, a Moroccan cigar. And I think the reason I, I brought this up was because it's actually, it's, it's like an empanada or an egg roll. It's not actually a cigar. So my, my question is, at what point do we stop, can we stop calling anything that's a tube a cigar? You know, cigar-shaped UFO. No, it's just a cylindrical UFO. It's a cigar that you eat instead of smoking. No, it's a piece of food. Yeah, at a certain point, anything that's longer than it is wide, people start calling a cigar. I think, I think we should have an embargo upon that. I think, I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay, here, here was the piece of the article I was looking for a second ago. The reason I, I'm going to give this particular one a pass, because the actual... 
name in whatever the Moroccan language is, is Cigarum. Cigar I-M is how it's spelled, one word. So this one gets a pass, but so often I just get so tired of it, cigar shaped or cigar. It's, it's not everything. Sometimes cigar is just cigar. Well, but that kind of leads us into our last article. Mm-hmm. Um, the Florida Tobacco. I'm trying to get this actually up. The Florida Tobacco Shop. Understanding the anatomy of a cigar. I came across this today. And all I'm with the two of you here. This is very analytical, very cold, very pure data. If I wanted you to simply describe to somebody what a cigar is, if they said, I need you to break down the ingredients in 200 words or less, what parts of the cigar anatomy would you hit to describe to the average Joe? Salesman? <laughs> hey, can you repeat the question? Do what? Can you repeat the question? Oh, okay. That, that was a easy. bit. That was a bit like a state trooper at a traffic stop okay. yeah, question, I, wasn't it? Yeah, I kind of <laughs> zoned out there for a second and then came back and then missed like the important part. Okay, so new <laughs> city, you're at an event. I'm gonna okay. set the scenario for you. You're at an Perfect. event. A guy walks in that's obviously never smoked a cigar before. Okay. Um, fairly successful looking guy. Looks like he's got his act together, and he said, "I am here to smoke a cigar, but I need to know what's in it." How's it made? What is a cigar? What is a cigar? What it, not what makes it different than a cigarette, but what is a cigar? How would you, in 250 words or less, describe the components? I gave you an extra 50 words. Describe the components in the construction of a cigar. Well, I mean, a, a cigar is all natural tobacco. So it's, it's picked off a plant and then it's dried um, or hung up, cured, fermented, how, whatever the proper terminology is for it. Um, and then you have different components of it. So basically the ugly stuff goes in the middle and the pretty stuff goes on the outside would be the simplest way to say it. I like that. Because so, most of your filler tobacco is just the ugliest of tobaccos. It's got holes in it and all kinds of stuff. And then your wrapper is just very pretty leaf, what you would think of as, as tobacco. Okay, but now, but now you're not selling it to me. Keep in mind, I'm an, I'm an engineering well, I've type. Well, I've got to tell you what it is before I can sell it to you. Okay. So after I get done explaining it, then you know I'm going to be like, okay... My personal thing, I'm going to ask you what your price range is. I, I'm not going to, uh, I think that's going to give you the most of what you're wanting because if your price range is $8 and I try to show you a $20 cigar, I've already lost you. Mm-hmm. If your price range is $20 and I show you an $8 cigar, then then that person sometimes will think, oh, well, this guy thinks I'm cheap. Right. So it's just better off just to go ahead and get out of the way, ask them what their price range is. If they say, okay, I'm looking for something 8 to $10, then I'm like, okay, this cigar over here, um, it's rolled in this country, uh, uses this tobacco. Um, here's the flavor notes that you're going to get out of it, and it's going to be that $8.50, $10 price range or whatever it might be. Do you go into the wrapper, filler, and binders with an amateur, or do you stay, do you stay away from that? Is that too much A lot of times you, you don't try to give them too much detail, um, but you give them the detail that they're wanting. So it's, if they ask, then I think you go into more detail. If they don't really seem, if they seem not to be interested, and they're just like, "Hey, I just want to smoke a cigar. I don't really care. I just don't want it to be bad. I want the experience to be good." So you always want to give them that best experience. But if they're if they're curious about it and they want to know more and they're looking to get into cigars, maybe they just got into cigars. They're not just a complete newbie, but they just got into cigars. Then you can go into a little more detail because a lot of times they're interested in stuff like that. I know I was when I was new to cigars. Yeah, and I think the other thing, the the question that I like to to answer this specific question. Uh, the question is, are you a wine guy or 
person. <clears throat> because that, for me, makes it much easier to get in somebody else's sandbox. And okay, So just like with wine, you've got different grapes and different regions that those grapes are and the same grape from different regions tastes different. So that's, you know, Nicaragua and Dominican are the two primary. You've got some Honduras and some Mexico thrown in there, but those are your two primary growing areas. And then you can kind of walk it down of you're going to get different flavors from different regions. You don't have to go into the specifics of what those different flavors are, um, but you can then you kind of take something that they already understand and adapt cigars to fit that. Okay, hang on a second. I have to pull the show over. I'm about two-thirds done with this Lancero, and something just hit me in it that's wonderful. Did you catch that about two-thirds down? I, I just got a kind of a, a shot. Of clove? Uh, well, yeah, of some kind of, I don't know I don't know what clove tastes like. But I just got it a shot. It tastes like where you are in that cigar. Does it? <laughs> I like oh, no, it kind of tastes kind of sweet right now. I'm getting a lot of sweetness out of it. Well, a lot of times, so a lot of times when your sense, sense of taste gets overloaded, it runs back to sweet. I've noticed that sometimes, you know, it's kind of like when you get the super sour patch kids and you put one in your mouth and all of a sudden it turns sweet. I think sometimes your sense of taste gets overloaded. Well, it's also because once you get past the sour <laughs> part exactly on the outside, That's exactly what it is sweet. in that case. Sour on the outside, sweet on the inside, so. But I just got, I really just got something. And cigars don't change. You know, people always talk about, oh, this cigar is going to change. I mean, honestly, I'm shocked that nobody's had to relight yet. So... I'm that's smoking typically, much faster than I normally do, I think. Yeah, but it's also very unusual. Most people, when they smoke Lanceros, especially if they're not Lancero people, it, even Lancero guys are going to have to relight it. And I haven't even had to relight mine yet, and I've been surprised with that. Well, it just got good to me. I mean, that this last third has really stepped up the pace. This cigar was riding along at one rate, and this last third has stepped up the, the overall scoreability of this cigar. Yeah. And I also... The article in the Florida Consti- uh, the Florida Tobacco Shop, I think it's a little cold and a little impersonal. You know, they, they talk about what are the ingredients, and they break it down to the wrapper, filler, and binder. And how are the wraps made from tree leaves? I don't, I don't understand why that's even in there <laughs> at all. How is tobacco grown? How as important is the binder when making cigar? So it's very, uh, you know... Like I said, very um, clinical. It, yeah, it, it, it doesn't convey the, the, the spirit and the gravitas of the actual of what goes into making a handmade artisan product. See, and I almost think you have to go that way. If you're trying to lure somebody, attract somebody to the hobby of smoking cigars, I think you have to talk about, you know, these countries where these people have this amazing skill. Grown in the valleys of the mountains and rolled on the thigh of a virgin and you know, all of those things that, that are kind of tropes at this point. It's the but, romanticizing yeah. of the story. Yeah, I think, I think you have to do that. I think you have to have some of that as much as I'm against over-romanticizing over everything in life. Well, I think a lot of people get into cigars because of that, you know, Seeing seeing people on film and TV in a bygone era, you know, smoking cigars and it be an event. And I think that kind of builds. I, I know part of the reason I got into cigars originally was just having seen cigar smoking in movies all my life and saying, that's that looks cool. That looks, you know, and, and giving a shot. So I, th- I think, yeah, I think cigars and that romanticism kind of go hand in hand. OK, Jonathan, it's called Will Got Anything Coming Out that you can tell us about? Yes. 
I can't tell you about it, but yes, we do have stuff coming out. <laughs> and, uh, what, so this is the time of year that companies start establishing their plan. Is Caldwell going to be more aggressive next year, stay about the same? What are uh, they thinking of? I think with our core line, we're, we'll stay roughly the same. May have something new come out. I don't know. There's still some talk about that. Um, but there's going to be a lot of small batch stuff come out on, on a quarterly basis. That's going to be really cool. Um, has, and I think everybody should look forward to that. Has Caldwell seen – have you seen bigger sales since COVID? Yes. And um, it's kind of across the board. Cigar sales are way up. I mean, it's, a, it, it's not way up, but I think uh, shops, I think, are way up. Um, manufacturers, I think – their profits are way up, but their total sales are probably about the same. Because um, you got to think, pulling everybody off the road, um, just think about how much money that saves. The, just the average amount of money that a rep spends in a month um, is actually way more than what most people would expect. Um, between hotel costs, gas, food, travel, and all that. Uh, and then, then be, basically being able to work from home, how much money that saves on a monthly basis, and then how much that adds to a company's profit when you're dealing with you know 14, 15 reps nationwide, yeah. um, which a lot of companies are. We're a smaller company, so we only have two in-house reps right now. Um, but some of these larger companies, you know, they've got 15 reps nationwide, and you know when you're saving, you know, seven, eight thousand dollars a month per rep, that adds up over a 10-month period. So, what's your territory for the listeners out there? Ooh. Uh, so right now it's uh, the Carolinas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, um, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. Dang. So they, you're how, how many days a year on the road uh, this in a year, normal year? In a normal year, year uh, last year I spent, I think, 220-something nights in hotels last year. Mm. So uh, I drove 90,000 miles. Um, this year's probably been about 25,000. Um, a lot of that was done beginning of the year and then just personal travel. Uh, but, uh, yeah, not too much on the road. I was pretty much off the road from March until October this year. So it was nice to get back on the road in October, but it was definitely an adjustment. It was, it wore you out when you came off the road. Oh, I bet. So you, you were just exhausted. So All right, next year is going to be a big adjustment. Tell me what, give, pronounce it's, judgment. It's the time, it's that time of night when we must place a rank on the cigar. It's a six and a half. And wow. I never thought I would give a Lancero a six and a half out of seven. I'm, I'm, I'm just shy of six. There's, I, I like the clove at the end. It did tighten up for me in in the middle third, so I did struggle with the draw just a hair, uh, and I think that's how I kept mine from going out. Um, the flavor is amazing, and. See, I would have put it at a six. So the fact Shane gave it a six and a half just is awesome. Yeah, because it's hard. It's hard for me to rate anything over a six. Like going off of Shane's scale, I would say most cigars are going to fall in that like five, like high four or five category. Um, and then you have those special few cigars for me that are going to fall in a six. And then seven's just a. It's a very rarity. There's yeah. only a couple cigars that are yeah. there for me. Yeah, this yeah. is this is scaring a six to death for me. I mean, it's it's. I'll, I'll even I'll go so far as to say, yeah, I'll give it a six. Well. The last third pushed me from six to six and a half. Okay. Just because I love that it come out of nowhere. It's not like I had that flavor waiting in the background and eventually knew it was coming. This just come out of nowhere, and I really like that. I haven't had a cigar do that to me before. Uh-huh. And also, Shane giving a it a six and a half is like the biggest compliment <laughs> I could ever get on a cigar because I've been hyping this cigar up since it was announced because um, – this was a cigar that I got to smoke one right after I started with the company. It was Robert gave it to me, and then I got to smoke another one last year in Vegas 
Um, our national sales manager gave me one. And both of them, immediately after it was given to me, I lit it up. Um, and it was like, where can I get this cigar? And they were like, well, we've never really sold it on the mass market. It was more or less just kind of hands out here and there. And so when it finally got announced that it was coming to mass market, or not mass market, it was a limited capacity. So we only made 1,000 boxes worldwide. 700 came to the U.S., 300 went to Europe. Um, so I just I had to get on that. So that's I went and spent my own personal money on this. This wasn't any kind of company thing. So uh, that tells you how great the cigar is. And the fact Shane gives it a six and a half is just it's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing it with us. That's yeah. Oh, thank I, you. I, I really do appreciate it. Thanks for being here on our 200th episode. And that's a great accomplishment. I mean, most podcasts I don't even know if they ever make it to 200 episodes. So um, the fact that you guys have been able to do that, especially on a, a smaller scale than most. Most people do podcast on it is an incredible accomplishment. Not to mention the fact that it's two days before Christmas and we're sitting in a cigar shop making sure we've got a, a show to go out on Christmas Day. Yeah, and I think everybody that's listening to the show should really thank Trey and uh, Shane on doing the podcast even through all this pandemic stuff um, and keeping it up uh, because I think that really gave something people something to listen to while they were just kind of sitting at home, quarantining, or you know just trying to stay at home and be safe and. Uh, and try to avoid this this terrible thing that's going on in our country right now. So, and he didn't even wait for the check to clear before he went into uh, that. I was expecting him to wait a little bit. That's on awesome. <laughs> no, I, I do appreciate it. That means the world to me. Well, how do they get on? How do they get on? And hey, if you get on Facebook, tell us which episode was your favorite. If you've got one that was your favorite, just look through the archive. I'd love to know what people liked the most. All right. Well, uh, you can. In order to do that, you can get on Facebook.com slash The Cigar Cast. You can also drop us a line via email at info at thecigarcast.com. And we're on Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast. Jonathan, thank you for being here. Thank you for the cigars. Thank you, guys. Fitting cigar for the 200th episode. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.